Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. At the beginning of our worship in church on the four Sundays of Advent, we light candles, one more each Sunday, until Christmas Day, when we light a fifth candle, which reminds us of the birth of the light of the world. For our online worship during Advent, you might like to find five candles of your own and light them one by one each Sunday too, or just a single candle to light each week as we begin our worship. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. When the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Therefore, in the light of Christ, let us confess our sins. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, raise up, we pray, your power and come among us, and with great might succour us, that whereas through our sins and wickedness we are grievously hindered in running the race that is set before us, your bountiful grace and mercy may speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honour and glory now and for ever. Amen. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? 
All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptised you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Comfort, O oh comfort my people. Those words from the book of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah are probably familiar. Those who know Handel's Messiah may have the music running through their heads already because they're the first words in his oratorio, which will go on to tell of Jesus' birth, death and resurrection. For Handel, at least, this is where the great story of Jesus begins, with God's declaration that his people need to be comforted. But if this is what it's all about, then that little word comfort is obviously an important one, and it matters that we understand it. What does comfort mean to you? Snuggling into an armchair under a blanket, in front of a log fire with a mug of cocoa? The Scandinavian concept of hygge has been all the rage in recent years. That sense of cosiness that, it, that the word sums up. Frankly, I suspect it's probably a good way of selling fairy lights, thick socks and scented candles and all the other things that get people through long, hard winters. But that's not really what Isaiah had in mind. You can't buy the kind of comfort he was talking about. And even in English, that wasn't originally what comfort meant. The fort in comfort gives that away. It's linked to fortifications and fortitude. Soldiers live in forts. To be comforted 
was originally to be strengthened, not wrapped in a fluffy blanket. But the Hebrew word Isaiah used carries an even richer set of meanings. It's the word nacham, and it's very hard to translate precisely. But it's something to do with changing someone's mind or heart. Sometimes in the Bible, nacham is actually translated as repent, which doesn't sound like a very cosy word at all. Or it's relent or regret or have pity or compassion. In the book of Genesis, God decides to destroy the world that he's made by flooding it. But he sees that there is one good man in it, Noah. And so the story says, God repents of his decision, Nacham. And he saves Noah, his family and a pair of every living animal so they can begin again. Nacham is a word that describes the things that transform you. The things that reach and change the places in you that nothing else can, setting you on a different track. And that's not something that a mug of cocoa and a log fire can achieve, at least not by themselves. One of the great privileges of my job is that, as a priest, I get to listen to a lot of people's stories. Clergy soon discover that people, sometimes completely random people, tell us stuff about themselves about their hopes and fears, their regrets and their sorrows, stuff they may never have told anyone else. There's not usually anything we can do about what they tell us, but I sometimes wonder whether that's precisely the point. All we can do is listen. We can't write prescriptions or fix what's broken in their lives. We aren't gatekeepers to the benefit system. But often, simply to be heard and seen is the most powerful and valuable help of all. And it's something that's surprisingly rare. Whether we're priests or not, just being present to other people as they are can be completely transformative. When we're listened to in love, not judgment, often we heal and we blossom of our own accord. It seems to me that that's a good example of what Isaiah means when he he talks about Naham, that transformational comfort that God calls him to proclaim. But there's an added dimension to Isaiah's Naham. He was prophesying to people who'd been in exile in Babylon for several generations, far away from home, and they thought far away from God too. They thought God had abandoned them, and some of them thought they deserved that abandonment. So what is the comfort that Isaiah is told to bring them? Even Isaiah isn't sure at first. What shall I cry? he asks God. The passage gradually works up to the big reveal. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, come on, what are they going to say? This is it. Here is your God. That's all. Here is your God. That's the Naham, the comfort that Isaiah proclaims. God is present with you, he says, on the journey with you as you return home, feeding the flock, 
carrying their lambs who can't yet manage the journey by themselves, but most of all just being there. His reward is with him, Isaiah says. Or, to put it another way, his presence is the reward. His presence tells them that the love they thought they'd destroyed is actually indestructible. The God they thought had forgotten them is right there with them. And that's the comfort they need to have, the knowledge that will transform them, that will heal and rebuild their own hearts so that they can heal and rebuild their nation. In the Gospel reading, John the Baptist restates that message as he points people to Jesus. The one who is more powerful than I is coming, says John, the one who will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Here is your God in this man, in other words. Christianity can be made to sound very complicated. It can be filled with long theological words, atonement and sanctification, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. We can get ourselves lost in debates about the Trinity or the Eucharist, transubstantiation and consubstantiation and all the rest. But actually, Christian faith is at heart very simple. And it's all summed up in those four words. Here is your God. Four words and none of them longer than one syllable. Here is your God. In the child in the manger, born to a poor family. In the friend of sinners, who sits with those others avoid. In the man on the cross, humiliated and beaten. Here is your God, the one who walks beside you, who is found not only where you expect him to be, but also where you don't. Not only in the love and the goodness of our lives, but in the grubby, broken places we'd rather keep hidden. He is the one who sees us and hears us, who knows us and loves us, whether we think we're lovable or not. A mug of cocoa by a warm fire is great, but this is the comfort we really need, the good news that can change us completely. Amen. As we bring our prayers to God, so we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you, Scatter the darkness from before your path and make you ready to meet him when he comes in glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.